0: Hey, Christian. What's up, Chris? You know, I used to have a job collecting leaves.
1: Okay. I was raking it in. How do you get a country girl's attention?
0: I don't know. How do you get a country girl's attention? A tractor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Christian, most comedians are good, trustworthy people. Yeah. You know, they're a bunch of stand-up guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My wife asked me to stop singing Wonderwall all the time, and I said maybe. (laughs)
0: Hey, Christian, what kind of shoes do ninjas wear?
1: I'm not sure. Sneakers. (laughs) Hey, Chris, what kind of drink is bittersweet?
0: Hmm. I don't know. What kind of drink is bittersweet? Reality. (laughs) Oh, there goes gravity. A guy walked into a bar and was therefore disqualified from the limbo. (laughs)
1: Did you hear about the kidnapping at the school the other day? Oh my God, no. No, it's okay. It's fine. He woke up. (laughs) Um, Hey, Christian, how
0: much did the pirate's new earrings cost him? I'm not sure. A buccaneer! That's
1: that's, that's terrible. Well, I was going to tell you a time-traveling joke, but you didn't like it, so... (laughs) Well, let's load it up. Let's do it.
0: From either side of Niagara Falls, welcome to Dad Joke Loading, the podcast about two new dads surviving fatherhood One week and one dad joke at a time. He's Christian, I'm Chris, and we've got some new topics to bang on about this week. Uh, We're going to talk about a few different things, moving to a new country, um, a famous dad from history, a little diaper talk, um, some crazy things our kids did or said. As always, I'd like to extend some sincere thank yous. Producer Ryan, our long-suffering producer, thank you very much. Michael Spicer Music, just an incredibly talented guy, check him out. And the vet cartoonist Vishal Murthy and as always, thank you to our wonderful wives and daughters. Absolutely. Christian, my friend, how was your week this week?
1: I had a, I had a great week, Chris. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, just uh, was you know able to uh, actually connect with my parents a few times this past week, which is good. Virtually, of course, can't uh, cross the border, but uh, mm-hmm. no, that was good. So uh, yeah, really can't complain about that. Was able to um, had a few days off work, took a little me time this week, um, so which was very Excellent. Uh, nice to hang out with the kiddo for uh, a few consecutive days, which was great. So yeah, really no complaints on my end. So what about you, Chris? How was your week?
0: Hot damn. Uh, I hope you hung out with a little bit of March Madness as well. I, um, I had a pretty good week. I... Um... You know, I to be honest, pandemic life, no major changes. You know, same old, same yeah. old. I made, I, uh, I, woke up at like 6.58 and the recycling comes at 7 o'clock. So I had the perfect dad moment of like stumbling out in my house coat, basically mm. essentially meeting the uh, the garbage man at the end of the uh closed <laughs> though, I hope. I, 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 I worked hard at it. So I'm really hoping that that is the case. But gotcha. there was a lot of adjusting as yeah. the garage door opened.
1: There was wind. Yeah, I've <laughs> Nothing you can do.
0: <laughs> an interesting uh, story this week, actually. So, um, you know, listeners, as you may know, where uh, Christian and I are pretty big baseball fans. And uh, I'm a Blue Jays fan. And it's spring training right now. And the Blue Jays have had a little bit of injury trouble this spring training.
1: That's an understatement.
0: Yates, yeah, out for the season, our closer. Um, might never play a game for us in his career, despite having signed for us. Um, George Springer out again with a little bit of abdominal tightness. Nate Pearson having some issues. But one of the best dad-related injuries that I've ever heard of this week uh, happened. So I play a little um, baseball uh, computer game, some of you may have heard of there called um, Out of the Park Baseball. And it's basically a baseball simulator, and the injuries that it comes up with are kind of on the Yassel Puig level, you know, like got... got drilled by a boar this week, will be out for two to three weeks. I like how
1: Yasiel Puig is the, is the qualifier for that. It's, <laughs> right. it's, 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 it's bang on for anybody who knows baseball <laughs> and knows Yasiel Puig. That's a, that's a great qualifier.
0: <laughs> so Robbie Ray this week uh, injured himself in the most dad way ever. Robbie Ray will be out for several weeks with elbow soreness uh, after carrying his son down the stairs and slipping on the stairs and banging his elbow. I'm really sorry, Robbie Ray, I shouldn't laugh. But you know, from one dad to another, I get that.
1: Yeah, I've been there.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, Christian, before I uh, dive into my first topic, any, uh, any other thoughts that you
1: have? Um, well, I actually do have a couple of housekeeping items, if I may, um, just from, uh, previous episodes, um, did have a listener contact me and called me on a screw up, which is absolutely correct. Um, in one of our first episodes, we were talking about our favorite podcast. And I said that Zach Braff has a Brooklyn 9 rewatch podcast. That's not true. He has a scrubs podcast. So, um, I listened to the Brooklyn 99 9 rewatch podcast. Zach Braff is not on it. Thank you, listener. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, I was talking with my mom. We were just talking before we hit record that both of our moms are listening to the. At least they tell us they're listening. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I was talking about. She was just listening to the most recent episode uh, with. We were talking about um, idols uh, for our daughters, and specifically Haley Wickenheiser. Mm, yeah, and so she was listening to that, and she was very. Uh, but she's like before I even. Heard your answer. She's like, I thought Haley Wickenheiser. And I was like, okay, well, it must run in the family. Um, And then she added in the quick little side note. Did you know that Haley Wickenheiser currently, although working with the Toronto Maple Leafs, is attending medical school? No way. At the University of Calgary. Wow. While working for the Maple Leafs. Good
0: gracious, yeah oh my God,
1: I was just like that of course she would, like, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, just might as well,
0: uh-huh, I mean, even even working for the Leafs. so Haley Wickenheiser, I think we mentioned in the previous show, is one of only a few women to ever play professional men's hockey, and I believe I could be wrong. Listeners correct me if I'm wrong, but the only female player at a non-goaltender position in professional women's hockey. Um, I mean, that alone could have been one of the greatest accomplishments in, in you know, women's hockey history. And then she finished her career and could have said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang him up or maybe do some broadcasting. And instead, she's going to become a doctor and a head coach in the NHL. Good Lord. Good for you, Haley Wickenheiser, a role model for us all.
1: And she also is an officer of the Order of Canada, just so you're aware. Oh. And I uh, I know because we were talking about that for uh, other people I think in our Wayne Gretzky conversation of of past but uh, yes Haley Wickenheiser, Order of Canada, going to be head coach in the NHL, doctor. No big wow. deal. Wow, that's impressive. That's
0: impressive. Well, uh, Haley Wickenheiser, perfect transition, smooth transition. transition. Haley Wickenheiser <laughs> moved to. Finland to be a professional nice. hockey player so this week we're gonna talk about moving to a new country
1: are we gonna eat that- a lot of peaches
0: <laughs> yeah this is something that Christian and I both know really well um so Christian uh you know as a lifelong Canadian has moved to America and now lives in America full-time um I spent almost all my life in Canada but moved to America on very short notice for about a year and a, and a little bit and then moved back um, and, uh, one of our wives as well, uh, spent, you know, lived in America, grew up in America and then moved to Canada and now has moved back to America. So this is something that on a administrative and emotional level, we've dealt with quite a lot in our lives. So Christian, I just have a, a few questions that I want to start out with. Sure. When you, when you were young, you know, when you were growing up as a, as a kid in the, on the shores of Lake Ontario and, uh, you know, being a. Cleveland fan, a Green Bay fan, but also being close to your hometown, Hamilton Ticats fan. um, Did you ever imagine for a second that you would not live in Canada?
1: Um, I can honestly say that I had no reason to believe that I would not be living in Canada for my entire life.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I kind of felt the same way. And, you know, part of it may be just that you grow up with what you know. Um, I mean, as I've traveled more, my eyes have definitely opened to some of the interesting components of living in different countries and how it stretches you as a person, makes you grow as a person. But I have to say, as a kid, it's not something that I ever really imagined. When you uh, when you moved, and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, has it been is it five years now you lived in America? Is that right?
1: Uh, correct. Yeah, going on just about five and a half. Five years. Yep.
0: What uh, when you f- can if you can think back to five years ago, you know when you first came across the border, obviously you'd been to America many times, but you first came across the border to work there full time um, what were some of the biggest culture shocks, some of the biggest life adjustments just kind of on a on a day to day basis that you first felt?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest things is just I mean and I guess this can go I suppose really for moving anywhere it doesn't necessarily mean country specific, but you're obviously very much used to familiar things so whether it's just stores that are close by chains uh, products even you know that are that are around um, you know you have to completely adjust to that Um, thankfully uh, where I live in western New York Tim Hortons is still very well represented in a lot of places so Mm. didn't have to work too hard (laughs) for that one Um, although I will admit it's called Tim Hortons Cafe and Bake Shop it's definitely not the same I mean, it's basically the same, but I mean, I can tell. Is uh, the menu different? Like, do they the have menu different, things is different on the menu? Yeah. Really? What mm-hmm. are
0: like? What are the big differences? Menu-wise? It's a little more
1: expansive, I think. So they're mm. kind of trying to, you know, compete more with the McDonalds and you know, in the right. different sandwiches and that type of thing. But uh, it, so I mean, it's they're, bit- they're minute differences. But as someone you know whose blood is twelve percent double double, right. um, you know, from birth, you can notice the differences. It's a little bit more lunch oriented. Exactly,
0: I see Tim Hortons very much as I mean in Canada. I, no question, they serve lunch. Obviously, we've all we all remember you know Canadians growing up in the in the '90s and the in the knots. You know, going to get a Tim Hortons lunch, and you get the ceramic dish. You know, your, yeah. your, your sandwich is served on a ceramic dish. So they have done lunch, but I feel like in in you know today's Tim Hortons, it's is a little more fast foody. Yeah, it's coffee and breakfast. That's what really what I think of it as. You know, and like donuts, but I don't think of it as a. Subway, a sandwich, a panini, you know, that kind of thing. At, at least I remember not, not like now. vividly,
1: you got the like, the like, um, I guess it's an oval or elliptical like ceramic platter, and you got yeah, your little lunch, and yes, then they had the bowl yes. of soup with it with that like soup yes. spoon and everything. Yeah, you got like a soup, soup and sandwich, and, and you would go and sit down at your table, you know, yeah. those little like, yeah, tables with the table and chair connected and, you know, that, or you'd scroll, scroll down the glass counter, you know, as they're making your sandwich yeah. and, you know, that type of thing. Uh-huh. With the Simpler old yellow times.
0: and with the only, uh, with the, with that old yellow and Brown logo that they yeah. used to have. I used to remember that funny enough. I don't want to, I don't want to take away cause I asked you a question and I'd love to hear the answer, but you just mentioned Tim Hortons there. When I moved back to Canada, I crossed the border in uh, in Washington, from Washington to British Columbia. And, um, you know, we had, I had quite a lot of things with me. I had lived there for over a year. I had a visa they had to take out of my passport. I mean, all the I had a cat with me. I had all these things. Um, and it was super fast. And they said, welcome home. And the first thing they said was, oh, and by the way, there's a Tim Hortons just about a kilometer up the road. See, they know. <laughs> they know. They've been there. They've been there. They know. So I'm sorry, Christian. You were telling me about Culture Shocks, and you started by talking about Tim Hortons and our natural Canadian genetics couldn't help but just leap onto that and talk about it. Please go on.
1: Well, the, uh, just to kind of put a, a period on that sentence, even in America, at least in, our, in my area, it still says Tim Hortons and there's a Canadian maple leaf on the side and it says Canada's favorite coffee.
0: Oh really? Even on even the, in America. Yep. Even wow. on the
1: cups. Now actually, now that I say this, I don't know if favorite is spelled with a U or not.
0: Ooh, that's I'm gonna a good have question.
1: to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to think about that the next time I'm there because now I'm like in my mind seeing it both ways. And I actually don't well, I know what I'm doing tomorrow morning. Um <laughs> anyway. Um, but I think like the big thing that I noticed is just kind of getting familiar, like I was kind of mentioning with the um the chains and all the different kind of local things that are around. Um, you know, just as an example in Canada, you know, we think of the things that are specific to us. I'm thinking like, you know, maybe Fortinos or Loblaws, you know, like the different grocery stores. Well, now I have tops and Wegmans and, you know, things, things of that nature, which I mean, you might say, Oh, a grocery store is a grocery store, but I mean, you get familiar and used to certain products and, you know, and that type of thing. And, um, so, you know, little things like that. Um, you know, I will still admit that the uh, metric to Imperial even five and a half years mm. later is something I still have to adjust to. Um, now, that being said, if you ask a Canadian how much they weigh, they're probably going to tell you in pounds, uh, yeah. you know, or if they ask you how tall you are, they're probably going to say I'm six foot or, yeah. you know, and that type of thing. But just a little thing, you know looking at gas by the gallon now, um, right. you know, all these types of little conversions. And, and I saw and, you this know, that really thing.
0: Uh, interesting thing. It was like a chart of how Canadians see measurements. And apparently because of our American and kind of you know, American influences, but switching to the metric system. We're one of these unique countries that has, that kind of slips back and forth all the time, you mm-hmm. know, uh, temperature in metric, distance in metric, but distance when you're talking about a long distance, not a short distance. If it's super short, you'll talk feet and inches. If it's kind of in between, some people know meters, some people know yards, you know, they're about the same, but you're not a hundred percent sure. A cup is in mills. What's a court. You know, there's so many interesting little kind of back and forth a stone.
1: It's, <laughs> yeah. a what, score what is this
0: what is a stone it's like 20 pounds 10 pounds i don't even know
1: oh see i thought i thought it was 20 kilograms
0: 20 kilograms but i don't
1: know just so I, I, think I know that's a, that's i know a, a, i know a score is 20 years isn't it isn't that four score in yeah, seven years right two. yeah score 20 years this
0: this is a good illustration of our difficulty with measurements
1: <laughs> but if you ask a canadian hey how long's it or how far away is blank they're going to tell you in time
0: yeah. That's if you ask an American, true. they say
1: it's 30 miles.
0: Is that true? Did you, uh, do you notice that when you like, absolutely you go down the street? Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'll be like, so, because I don't know any of the towns that are around me. So I'm, you know, I live in a, in a spot where, you know, you could go 10 minutes in either direction and you can get pretty rural pretty quick. Um, so there's all these little towns everywhere and they will be like, Oh, how far away is that? And they're like, Oh, it's about eight miles. And I'm like, I'm like, that's an Eminem movie to me. Like, I don't know. I'll be like, so is it like 10, 15 minutes? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. It's like eight miles. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's just like, it's really funny how they just, you know, when you think one way, um, Hmm. although I feel like this is a microcosm for just like a much larger thing is, you know, when you, right. when you only really see things one way, it, you struggle to see the perspective of another. Hmm. Um, so, but it's just like, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea how long it takes to drive eight miles to get to that nearest town. Um, and they have no idea how long it takes to drive that eight miles, but they know it's eight miles. Wow. Um, so It's, it's almost like
0: uh, there's this concept in linguistics called the saphir Wharf hypothesis, which is that sort of as a culture, your worldview is shaped by the language you have and kind of the linguistic identities of the language, you know, whether it's a pictogram language or a phonetic alphabet, that kind of thing. And so I like the idea of that uh, we are shaped as Canadians by the fact that everything is measured in time. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's it's how we see the world in distance, you know.
1: It's also really funny. I think that there's got to be a meme out there, but it's like you know, how Canadians talk to each other and it's just the different things. Like if a Canadian's like, yeah, no, or like, No, yeah.
0: Yeah. Or like whatever like those mean
1: certain things, but like right. again to another culture, they're like, What are you saying? And I'm just like, Yeah, no, it's fine.
0: So speaking of kind of things that get ingrained with you and kind of how it shapes your viewpoint and things like that, were there any more kind of fundamental differences that you saw when you spoke with uh, people in your your new home, in your new homeland every day, um, and kind of learning about the way they thought or the way they acted or the way they interacted that to you was a bit of a culture shock?
1: Um, hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think that there is – and now this is going to uh, – I don't really know how to say this without it kind of sounding insulting, and that's really not what I'm trying to say. It, it's, it's very it, – I feel like a lot of people, at least in my immediate kind of whatever you want to call it, scenario situation, uh, the, the general people that you interact with, like, like I was kind of mentioning, they're very familiar with what they know and what mm-hmm. they've learned and the way that they know it. And so to express something differently to them um, or to have them come about it from a different way, it's like a cannot compute kind of scenario, um, which was really interesting because even just thinking about, um, you know, not even necessarily serious topics, that's, you know, not not, not in an even that kind of way, but even just, um, you know, approaching you know, like I, like I even mentioned, just the difference how I say something, how far away is it? I say 20 minutes versus, you know, 10 miles. Um, just coming at it from a different, there was a definitely a almost a language barrier, um, mm-hmm. which sounds silly, you know, even though, yeah, we get, you know, teased about how we, you know, Canadians sound sometimes. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those quote unquote stereotypes. But um, there was almost like a, a language barrier. That I noticed, especially, um, so obviously being a veterinarian, I do a lot of client communication. And that's something that I had to be really cognizant of, because I would start explaining something. um, And I could see a client looking at me like I had two heads. And even my technician who was in the room (laughs) with me was looking at me like shaking their head, like, stop talking, you're making no sense. And I would have to pause and be like, so I'm from Canada. <laughs> um, and this is by and I had to explain it, they'd be like, oh my God. And then they, the clients often would be like, oh my God, that's really funny. Or like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, well, like I, you know, but you, and then I'd be like, I understand how you kind of, you know. Wait, wait, wait. Were you using,
0: were you using your curling anecdotes? Was that the problem? You know, it's just like when you're trying to curl it around to the button
1: and they're, you know, they're, well, they're looking at me like I'm an idiot. And I'm just like, you're the idiot. You don't know who Kevin Martin and Glenn Howard are. What do you mean? Like Briar (laughs) champions, like icons. Yeah. And they're like, I'm just uncultured. No. Um, and so it was, yeah, so that was something that I really had to adjust to uh, because, you know, again, even just simple aspects of it, I know we've we've even talked about it in previous episodes. So for example, we talked about healthcare um, and me just having to adjust to the fact that just the completely different way that health insurance works, mm. um, you know, and that type of thing, which you would think is like, okay, you pay for it and you, you know, you go from there or whatever, but no, it's so much different than that. There's so much to... Uh, think about. Uh, You know, I know we talked about maternity leave in a different one, which I mean, we didn't know at the time, of course, that was several years prior to us even knowing that we were going to be expecting. But, um, you know, just little things like that, that I feel like will continue to arise as those initial situations arise kind of as you go.
0: Thinking about kind of like administrative and logistical things, you know, you're talking about health insurance, maternity leave, things like that. Um, one of the things that I found when I moved to California was the difficulty in this vicious cycle of getting credit where you move and you get a new SIN number, or I guess in America it'd be a social security number. Is that right? Am I getting that right? Social Canada, security number. Yes. In SSA. Canada, it's a social insurance in American social security number. So you can't, so you get one of those kind of automatically, but you can't get credit without something against your name that shows that you've got something like an apartment or a credit card which you can't get without any credit which you can't get without the apartment or the credit card did you find any difficulties when you moved to America in any of those logistical things or did you find it to be a pretty smooth transition
1: uh no i definitely had um you know definitely had to adjust to that as you mentioned because what happened was at the time when i moved here um i was living with my in-laws so my I guess she was my girlfriend at the time uh, shortly to become wife but we were living with my in-laws so again I didn't have an address technically you know I didn't have a bill that was coming to the house um, and I remember one of the first things I tried to do was apply for a Lowe's credit card and I got declined um, even though I had I could my income uh, which you know as a veterinarian is a is a you know, more than acceptable income that you would think like, Oh, okay. They would at least allow me to have some kind of baseline credit card. Nope. Uh, Nope. It got declined. And it was just like, yeah, the reason was like lack of credit. And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Like, but then I realized like, according to my social security, I was like two weeks old, right? Like I (laughs) was, I had, I had existed for only 14 days. Um, And so the only way I was actually able to get a credit card was because my Wife, then girlfriend, not that that's important, um, her aunt works at the credit union where uh, my bank account was set up. And so she was basically able to be like, hey, he just moved here like he's a doctor can we get him a credit card, and the bank was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, we can do that right um, so that was the only way I was really able to to do any of that you know you say you say
0: girlfriend or or, or wife, not important, but i I wonder you know I asked the question so my my cousin um, lives in, in America with her um, now husband who is american, so she 's canadian he 's American, and they 've been happily together for ten years, but they got married just you know uh, administratively because it allowed her to stay in the country more easily. Was that something that you and your then girlfriend, now wife, ever talked about, you know, getting married to make that transition process easier? And did you find anything changed when you did get married?
1: Um, we did have that conversation, although it did not really in the immediate transition matter. Um, and I'll explain why. Basically, because, I, well, Wiggly, did you have a TN visa when you went? I did, yes. Okay, did, so yeah. so did I. So TN visa, temporary visa. Um, but because we have a specialty, um, being that we are doctors, um, it basically very easily allowed me to get said TN visa, which was valid for three years. And so basically I had the ability to be there for three years. Um, and so we didn't really have to really be too concerned about that. Um, and we actually, so we got married before my TN then expired. So, um, whereas, you know, obviously I moved to a new country to live with her and her family. So obviously the seriousness of the relationship was at least somewhat implied at that point. Um, and, uh, in talking with, uh, my immigration lawyer at the time, he was like, you can renew your TN visa fairly easily. He's like, I have clients that are on their fourth renewal of their TN. It's just based on your contract as a specialty. So again, you know, a veterinarian being one of those specialties. You get a new contract, you can get a new TN visa. Now, it obviously doesn't allow you certain um, uh, pr- protections, maybe, for lack of a better term, mm, I guess, because, mm, you know, yeah. obviously, you're not an American citizen. So, obviously, if they, uh, you know, they don't like the look of you, you can get denied entry. You know, these it doesn't protect you from certain things like that. Um, you know, deportation for crimes, although, I mean, I feel like that's something I was going to, like, most likely avoid anyway. Um yes. But, um, you know, that type of thing. So I guess, no, in the immediate, no. Um, and then when we got married, um, the reason that we, cause I could have applied for my green card after living there for two years. Um, but the reason we decided to wait until we got married, um, was just to make that process easier. Um, mm-hmm. so the time in which we waited to get married did not change anything, um, but the time in which we waited for me to apply for my permanent residency, we did because it looks a lot easier when you're married on paper um, right. and have all those kind of, I mean, we already had all the joint things, you know, we already had a house, we already had a joint bank account, you know, all those types of things. But um, so in now, that standpoint, it, it helped, but.
0: Now you got married in Canada. Correct. Uh, you know, you, you came back back over to get married. Um, so I'm curious, kind of on the subject of coming back into Canada, um, when I when I moved back to Canada, one of the immediate things I noticed was the accent. I didn't I don't think I noticed it so much on the way going in. I got called out by clients a lot for you know, saying, are you from are you from Minnesota or are you from Canada, mm, Minnesota? I had, I had one person I had one person ask me if I was from Ireland or South Africa or something like that. And, and I just it was so mind blowing to me because the the words coming out of my mouth don't sound any different. And American people, to me, having grown up on American television, don't sound very different to me. But as soon as I crossed back over the border, I heard it again. Um, and I, I will tell you in a second exactly where I heard it. But did you when when you come back into Canada, obviously, because of COVID, it's been very difficult to do so. But do you notice kind of any any culture shocks, either with accent or language, or, or anything that you notice more prominently when you come back over the border?
1: Well, the first thing I'm going to say is – so the, the answer is absolutely yes, and I have a really funny accent story that I'll tell in a minute. But um, this is going to sound – again, I don't I, – I had noticely, immediately noticed how much friendlier people are. Hmm. And that's going to – that might sound weird to say, but the genuine kind of just, hey, how are you, just to somebody you've never met before. Um, was evident is evident immediately um, and that's something I notice every single time I come back my wife gets bad at me because every time that we drive across the border I take a big inhale and uh, <laughs> you know what I mean just to be like <sighs> and she's like get That's out of the car the you know just, <laughs> I, but the but the accent definitely um and i'll tell just a quick story this was several years ago but there's a hockey tournament um again it's sounding more canadian i realized <laughs> as i start telling this story so i got the story i came back to canada for a hockey tournament yeah okay i
0: was all uh, out of maple syrup and i said to my beaver i tells you
1: so it's so I, I there's this hockey tournament that's run by some uh, veterinarian alumni of uh, where we went to school. Mm, yes, And yes, yes. it's uh, and it's up in Harriston, Ontario, um, and the <laughs> metropolis of Harriston. And it's and so we go. I come. I drove up for the weekend. Um, so basically, drove up on the Friday night, uh, stayed with my parents, and then basically drove up for the tournament on the Saturday. You know, drove home on the Sunday kind of thing. And I remember you know, I, the first game we were on the ice for like eight o'clock in the morning. And so like, I had a decent two hour drive to get to the tournament. And so, you know, woke up at whatever, 5.00 AM got my Tim's. And drove, you know, and so get there, you know, there's a list. It's all these alumni, you know, uh, reps and all, you know, mixed together. So walk into the dressing room, several colleagues, even classmates whom I haven't seen in a little while. You know, we shoot the shit um, and say, like, how's it going? And then, of course, as veterinarians tend to do when we get together because it's our lives, we start talking shop. And so one of my uh, friends, classmate, who was a few years above us, who is a large animal veterinarian, starts telling this story. And I sit down and again, I've basically only spoken to my parents since coming back into Canada. And he's it's just it's like he is trying to talk like the stereotypical Canadian that like <laughs> Stephen Colbert would like tease. Right. And, and so he starts like, oh, so I'm, uh, I'm out there at the farm eh? and he just starts, uh, you know, this calf's just rolling around and I'm trying to, you know, get it, get down to his hoof there. Eh? And I'm just like, you have got I'm like, this is what we sound like. <laughs> and I'm like staring around and I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is what we sound like. Now I understand. Right. And then it's so like I, an I'm kind of I'm kind of smiling to myself. And then not only does he just keep going with, of course, this very thick Canadian accent, but he just caps it off in the most Canadian way possible, which is it's a 8 a.m. You know, we've just finished our mm-hmm. Tim's. And of course, before you go on the ice, you got to chug a beer. And he doesn't really have anything to chug the beer with. So what does he do? He he hits the beer can with his skate. And shotguns it as so because he can't find his keys, and I was like, "Yep, it's good to be home."
0: <laughs> oh, for sure, eh? Let's get her going, boys. Oh, don't you know? I, I um the the part of the accent that I notice the most. It's funny that you say that Canadian accent, and I hear it. I hear it as you say it, but when I walk around every day, I don't notice it. But going oh. back and forth across the border, what I notice a hundred percent is out and about Mm -hmm. and instead of out and about it's like this you kind of purse the lips and bring it in and i hear it every single time and i think it's super reliable even somebody who grew up in like suburban toronto and might not have a huge accent that those words i pick up on every single time
1: my colleagues know well not in the past year or so because obviously i haven't been across the border but my my colleagues know when i've gone home to visit my parents because i pick up the accent again. And so for the mm-hmm. first couple of days that I'm back, there's a lot of so- <laughs> stories and there's a lot of, you know, there's the accent comes back and they're just like, you went to Canada, didn't you? I'm like, what did I say? You know, or something like yeah. that. And it, yeah, it's really funny. The other thing I still get called on is um, when I use the, the long form or the long O in certain words. So I will say, you know, it's, it's quite the process. And they mm, say process right, 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 or progress, process. progress. Yeah. You know, I still get called yeah. on those a little bit. Um, so my boss refers to me sometimes as Oxford because, you know, he's just like, all right, Oxford, like, you know, because I'm pronouncing things differently. So
0: I'd love to, I'd love to dive into that. Sorry, sorry. And even that you mentioned Canadians were nicer with kind of that, you know, what does that mean? What does Canadian niceness mean? And, and I have, you know, we each have our own takes on, on what it means and whether it's real, whether it's not real, you might think it's fake. Um, you know, let us know, dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com. But for now, we're going to take a break. And we'll come back to talk to you about diapers.
1: And welcome back, everybody, to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Christian alongside my co-host, Chris. Uh, we'd love for you to get in contact with the show, as Chris mentioned. Dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail dot com, also at Loading Dad on Twitter. Uh, you can give us a follow there. Um, we'll post about you know what we're doing, different episodes, that type of thing. So uh, certainly, would love for you to get in contact with us. Um, but we're going to get uh, rolling right along here. And we're actually going to introduce a new recurring segment to the show. First time mm, it's going to make so its appearance. Um, this uh, this is a little quickie, uh, just a quick little segment here. And we were kind of talking about it um, in previous kind of just, uh, I guess, production meetings, if I can call it that. Um, I'm going to call it that. It makes it sound fancier. But um, <laughs> and just, you know, just the funny kind of stuff that our kids do on the daily or the new kind of things they've learned or milestones that they um, you know that they pass and and that type of thing. So whether they're silly or uh, sentimental, and you know, obviously, big ones are going to be uh, first words and speech. You know, also kind of mobility um, and you know their first crawl, walk, run, that type of thing. Um, and so we've decided to name this new segment Walkie Talkie. <laughs> And so, Chris, for Walkie Talkie this week, um, I'd love to just hear from you um, maybe just one quick or, you know, a couple of quick things, uh, something that your daughter uh, did this week that was either, like we mentioned, kind of sentimental um, or, um, you know, even funny, you know, something they've done for the first time or or something like that. So is there anything specific you could think about uh, for oh. Walkie Talkie this week?
0: Oh, boy, that is that is honestly a tough question. I mean, my my daughter... Um, who I love with all my heart, is still, is still of course, not, not talking. She's still months behind. But I would say the thing that I have noticed over and over, which just starts to melt my heart, is that she, um, I feel, I mean, I could be wrong, who knows, is starting to recognize my face and my voice. Mm. So when I see her, I do this kind of particular smile and she immediately smiles, immediately smiles. And we've started to do this thing where every time I go, that kind of specific whistle, she will just immediately smile and kind of give this little, she started to do her half laugh of like that. And it just melts my heart every time. So I would say to me, that's been the big one is, is getting that kind of uh recurrent laughter and smile with a every time. That's nice. uh, that's it for me. What about you?
1: Well, I got a quick question just before I keep going. Cause I know we mentioned it on a previous episode. How is sleep going? I don't think I've asked really you well. about
0: this. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, So good question. I I would say that knowing that I don't have a particular baseline or barometer to compare to, I'm really, really happy with how it's going. We have like a defined routine around kind of five to six in that area. Um, Either my wife or I will kind of take her for a walk and kind of distract her and let her fall asleep and then try to sneak her into bed, maybe rock her in the chair for a little bit. And then she sleeps from about 6 p.m. until 6 a.m., with uh, with one feeding and diaper change. Overnight. That's fantastic, um, and I would say it's pretty reliable. I mean, there's definitely moments where. Um, you know, she'll lose her soother and, and need it replaced and that kind of thing. Um, we've been doing a bit of reading this week about swaddling and the pros and the cons and when to stop and when to start, you know, a topic for another day. Sure. Uh, but we've moved her into a, into a sleep sack this week. So
1: yeah, I'd mm, say sleeping is going pretty well. The sleep well, sack is well. gold. The sleep sack is gold. Uh, my daughter is coming on, uh, 22 months and still uses one. And mm-hmm. they are fantastic. They um, look so.
0: so damn comfy. I, oh I, God.
1: if so, Chris. Uh, just side note, um, you know, adult sleep sack. Um, <laughs> let's get the patent for that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my walkie-talkie this week is not sentimental at all. Um, in fact, it's quite on the opposite end of the spectrum in the hilarity side, uh, which is that my uh, my daughter this week decided to just take a big poop in the bathtub.
0: Is that is this the first time that's ever happened? That is
1: the this is the first time that that's ever happened. Wow. Almost 22 months and it was the first time, so I mean I guess you know if it's once every 22 months I feel like I can handle that. Although I feel like we'll get a few 22 months from now and I'll be like you got to stop this. Like <laughs> you're 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 12. Um, okay, I got to <laughs> you, You're
0: 24. This needs to stop. So I I have an important question here. And okay. this is it. This is a difficult question. So, you know, just try you know, my my daughter's still in the in the liquid poop stage Mm. um what uh what 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 were we dealing with here
1: thankfully we were dealing solid log
0: okay yeah this was this
1: was solid log um but my my daughter has this and this is all the time she loves to squat so she's always kind of like sitting you know squatting she (laughs) loves to like get in these like weird stances so her doing it in the bathtub wasn't like a weird thing you know, she's like, you know, splish, splashing, whatever. and But it just, it got too quiet. <laughs> and then I can just, my wife just looks at me and she goes, honey, are you pooping? And it was too late. It was too late. And my wife, the rock star that she is, just she got in there and scooped it out. Mm, good for her. Yeah, just, wow. just a rock star. I know I've I've mentioned it many times uh, and she continues to amaze me on the on the daily with how great of a mother she Impressive. is. But just, so- yep, just.
0: With a tool, with a shovel, with a basket, with her hands? I mean, um, what are I, we talking about I, I actually,
1: so she used her hand, but I think she might've got like a baby wow. wipe to like go in there and like cradle it. Maybe, I'm not mm, sure. Um, I'll yeah. ask her and maybe on the next episode, I'll uh, start with some house, housekeeping and be like, <laughs> hey, Chris, just real housekeeping, bare hand. <laughs> um, but.
0: That's that's true mom experience and skill right there. You know, grabbing that baby wipe first to get a little, you know, you know a little protection. That's well done. I like that. Well done.
1: But anyway, that's a that's a, a, a quick look into our lives of kind of, you know, what happened with our daughters this week. But uh, so that's been a, an episode of uh, walkie talkie for this week. So uh, speaking of poop and we were talking about <laughs> liquid and solid and all these types of things, the next topic that we're going to talk about actually are the uh, the tools and uh, receptacles that we use to catch the poop on a uh, on a daily basis. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about diapers, Chris. And, mm, um, and and the reason I'm bringing this particular topic uh, up at this time is because my daughter approaching two years old, you know, very much mobile. Um, you know, we're starting to work our way into potty training uh, and that type of thing. Um, but I have various other uh, friends who have, you know, children at various stages of life, colleagues, you know, things of that nature. And we got talking about the the concept of... Not, uh, you know, I don't think we were I don't think we need to have a conversation about pro or like pro or anti diaper. I feel like, you know, most people use diapers, Uh, but it was really more the cloth diaper versus the disposable diaper. Um, And not that there is a right or wrong answer to that. Obviously, Mm. as we qualify on basically every uh, episode that we do, what you feel is best for your family is what you should do um and so um that goes with saying um but i feel like it needs to be repeated Um, and we'd
0: love to hear we'd love to hear from you if you have you know strong feelings one way or the other you feel sure let us know what's right for your family and absolutely interested to hear it yeah
1: absolutely um because we are obviously we are just two dads uh you know we are two people's uh you know opinions and thoughts about things so yeah we are all about uh increasing the amount of information you know the the power of n as it were you know making as, as many people as we and as much information as we can uh, we can get. So before we get into it, Chris, I just have a few questions right off the bat to kind of just keep okay. going with the conversation. Okay. Um, and so my first one is, do you remember as a child um, mm. if you were raised on cloth or disposable diapers?
0: Mm, that's a really good question. So I, I don't remember in the sense that I, you know, like I can think back to, to what I had. I did, I mean, I'm sure... Uh, like most kids, you know, going through that intermediate phase. I do remember using pull-ups, you know, when I was maybe three, mm-hmm. I guess, four years old. Um, so um, my mom actually let me know that for a time we we used cloth diapers um, for quite a long time. She had a, it was like this service where um, they would get a bunch of new ones dropped off either every day or every week. I'm I'm not sure um mom if you're listening let me
1: know every day and, how much did you go to the bathroom
0: yeah I, I have no idea and then they they would get washed i guess or i, I don't really mm-hmm. know the system here but they would get picked up by the service who would then wash them and deliver them back and what i that's remember that's gotta be a heck I, of
1: a job <laughs> I, know, I know maybe not the I, clean delivery part but the dirty pickup like that's not even dry cleaning like that's I picked up a business card uh,
0: at a a clinic this week for a business that basically specializes in cleaning up people's backyards, um, which, uh, you know, just kind of going through and and I'm not talking about weeds. I'm talking about picking up dog poop. Um, And I got to think, you know, what going in a backyard and picking up dog poop that's four months old, four months old, or a stack of 20 soil diapers. I don't know. I don't know. uh, Toss up there. But uh, what I remember the cloth diapers as is when I was growing up as a kid, what I remember is my dad and I using them as car rags, car cleaning mm. rags. They were, they were what we would use for the wax. So I, I know for sure that I used cloth diapers for a time and, um, uh, and then at some point moved to, to pull-ups, which are more like, you know, kind of in, in terms of material, more like traditional modern diapers, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's the answer to that question. Cloth for, for a bit, as far as I know.
1: I do recall my brother and I as well, like you said, may, mainly the having them for other reasons as we were older, um, having, you know, cloth diapers at, at the house. So I'm, I, uh, mom, if you're listening, you can uh, correct me on that. But I feel like we were a cloth diaper household, at least for the majority of it. Um, Alrighty. Now, my question is now for you, uh, meaning you as a father now, um, how many diapers do you feel like you go through on a daily basis? <sighs>
0: Mm, excellent question. Um, just doing the math here. So there's one for every nap, one for every feeding, um, and then probably one for every other big kind of daytime event. I'm going to say around eight, maybe eight or slightly less like six to eight kind of in that area on average. Some days are worse. Um, yeah, but that's, that's kind of where we're at. I'd say six to eight.
1: Okay. And then, uh, kind of, uh, sub sub question or follow-up question, How many of those are number ones and how many of those are number twos? (laughs) Obviously, there can be a combination, but I mean, basically, how many times are we looking at pee Mm. only versus how many times is poop involved?
0: The beautiful combination. I mean, in many ways, I'd have to say every time... Every time that there's a two, there's a one, I right. have to say. I mean, there's 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 pee almost every single time. I mean, it's just incredible how much fluid they, they, she produces and not particularly concentrated urine either. It, it's really interesting. Um, well, I guess that, her, her
1: diet has to be majority, like if not almost exclusively liquid at this point, no?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I so, guess I mean, I guess sense. it makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, if every steak I had, I had it, uh, you know, um, blended in water, I'd probably pee a lot more too, I guess. <laughs> That that smells so disgusting. (laughs) I know. And kind of sounds a little bit like what I'm about to answer, which is one poop per day, I would say. Okay. Maybe two. I mean, it's in that area. I'd say less than one is abnormal and more than two is abnormal. So like one to two-ish in that area. Okay. And they're pure liquid. And I'd say they happen at roughly the same time of day, but there is some variation for sure. So
1: then when, uh, I know this is the... Maybe arguably the weirdest uh, podcast topic, or at least question, back and forth we've had. But just, so then, when do the poops typically happen?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I'd say the average is one in the morning and one in the mid afternoon. Okay, it's pretty rare that it happens at the night feeding or overnight. I would say. Um, and I, I I don't know if you've experienced the same thing, but for whatever reason, I feel that the majority of them are not like a surprise, like you're going to do a diaper change and, Oh, look, there's a poop there. It seems like every single time they happen, you hear them, Mm. you know, and you get, you know, you're doing a feeding and you hear these kind of dry, these dry passages of gas, you know, pop, 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 pop. And you, you know, you think something's coming, but it's not until you hear that very distinctive heavy wet evacuation and almost like a gunshot uh, down there. And all of a sudden she just gets kind of quiet and thinks, oh, I'm just going to stop feeding for a second. Now I'm, and now I'm going to go back to feeding and you know, it's happened. So I, I that's uh, yeah. Again, weirdest podcast ever, but I'd say, I'd say kind of one to two a day. And, uh, um, and that's when they happen kind of morning and mid afternoon.
1: See, I'm more in the, the, the concept now where it's just like, it's, you know, my daughter does particular uh behaviors or like we'll go mm. and she likes to sit in the corner she's a very private pooper um so she'll go and sit <laughs> she has this kind of uh plush chair that she has that has her name on it she got it for her first birthday and she'll just kind of go sit behind it and kind of squat and then you'll just be like hey honey what are you doing over <laughs> there and you just hear these you just hear this like little like uh. Like the little like grunts, and you're just like, uh, and then and then and then she kind of like walks back around the corner as if nothing's happened. You know what I mean? And and she'll just come around and and she'll just go back to playing. And you know, we'll be like, "Did you poop?" No. And she'll just kind of go, but it reeks. Of course, you're just like, uh huh. Right. Uh-huh. Um,
0: it's so interesting that kids gain that kind of a, that that knowledge of that inherent concept of latrining so young. Um, I mean, not to, not that our children are raccoons, but when I when I worked at that raccoon center, you know, you would see them go from having no concept of where to poop and just be everywhere on them, everywhere, to gradually, progressively in a litter box and then in a corner of the litter box and then using a different litter box from the other raccoon. I mean, it really is amazing how instinctual that is. And I guess in humans, it must be the same thing to kind of avoid people, move away from people, find a find a spot of privacy. Um, it's it's uh, so remarkable how intrinsic it is in us.
1: So my next question then is... Well, you actually kind of already answered it, which is you said that there's pretty much one diaper per nap. She's Your daughter's pretty consistent with if she has a nap, her diaper is going to be wet when she wakes up.
0: I'd say so. Yeah, I'd okay. say so. And I'd say it's pretty rare that she wakes up in the middle of a nap for needing a diaper change. She'll right. wake up in the middle of a nap, need her soother replaced or a quick head head pat, but she'll she'll go back to sleep again. It's pretty rare that she cries to the point of needing a diaper change, I would say.
1: Gotcha. And then my last question is then: How many Im- uh, clean diapers, when you change them and you put on a clean diaper, how many of those clean diapers immediately become dirty <laughs>
0: diapers? <laughs> oh man, I think the uh, you know for any dads listening, that has got to be one of the bane's uh, of diaper changes. Is you know you feel like you're doing the right thing, and you you know you go to all that trouble of. You know, unbuttoning the onesie and then cleaning everything and getting the lotion on there. And you feel so great. It's clean. It's fresh. You got a fresh, clean diaper. And then just pee everywhere, a pee explosion all over everything. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily an everyday thing. Um, You know, it it doesn't happen that often. But when it happens, it's just so heartbreaking. You know, you've gone to all this trouble and, well, let's do it all again. So I would say it's, I mean, in terms of frequency, you know, a couple times a week, a couple times a week. What about you?
1: I feel like if it's going to happen for me, I feel like it's a wake up from a nap with a wet diaper, change said diaper, and within minutes, she's pooped. (laughs) And it's always after I've put all the diaper change stuff away, put her outfit on, right? Like, I feel like she's just kind of like... All right it's been about three minutes. oh, yeah, here he comes down the stairs, all right. he doesn't have anything in his hands. go time <laughs> you know it's almost anyway so i it doesn't doesn't happen often, but it it's one of those where you just kind of have to sit there and laugh because you're just like uh-huh, uh-huh my
0: wife my wife experienced a rough one of those a couple of days ago where she uh she she did a she gave her a bath um and then uh you know went downstairs did a feeding, getting ready for bedtime and she pooped. You think, ah, pooped after a bath. Well, you know, it's going to happen, right? She's going to poop every day, no problem. Only to uh, get to the diaper, see that it had gone up the back, Mm, seen that it had gone into like the the armpits, you know? Yeah. And you get, you know, you kind of think, okay, where's that in between? I can use a little, I can use a little baby wipe for, for the lower back. I got that. And then you kind of look up and you see oh oh it's on the shoulder blade and you, you think okay yeah i can still i can wipe that off it's fine it's fine and then you look up higher and you see just this mysterious wetness of the bottom of the hair and you're ah, no no it's no bad time no again. i can't yeah i can't
1: you can't just turn the tub back on yeah all right <laughs> put on another pot of coffee we're gonna be a while <laughs> So then going forward, then kind of just in the general, which is uh, a very roundabout way of getting to kind of my general question for this kind of topic, um, just to talk about for a few minutes here, um, was going to be your general thoughts on the use of cloth versus disposable diapers. And do you have a preference uh, towards Mm -hmm. one or situations where you might use one versus the other?
0: Mm, It's a good question. I, I might not be... Uh, in a good spot to answer it because I haven't tried both of them for myself. I would say that I feel
1: by yourself, you mean your daughter, correct?
0: Yes. Sorry. Okay. Just (laughs) just clarify. Well, I have tried them in myself, but one of them is so much softer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I really am attracted to the idea of cloth diapers if they are indeed more environmentally friendly, and I guess the trade-off there is there's more water use to wash them, but right. then uh, disposable ones, uh, both you use a lot of carbon in making them and shipping them, and also they have microplastics in them. So I understand there's like a lot of uh, different components there. So well, I guess I'll interrupt you really quickly
1: then yeah, like, go ahead, did, go ahead. did your wife and did you and your wife have a conversation about diaper use use mm. prior to your daughter being born?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Not really. I would say, as with so many things, I mean, I am, I'm a big supporter uh, of the environmental movement and I am imperfect, you know, I am imperfect, absolutely, in that I think, as with so many issues within, within environmentalism, it's, you know you have this great intention and idea of why something is is better or good, but you get so caught up in your own conveniences and you get caught up in your own schedule in life, and you you end up prioritizing those in in the short term and I think when you have a kid, it's one of those moments in your life where you just feel like you ought to be able to take any shortcut and of course that's not true i mean there's seven almost eight billion people on the planet, right so you know if if every single one of us had a shortcut taken when we were born. Um, you know, we'd end up with, with a lot of environmental problems. And so I'm not saying it was the right thing for us to do. It was probably the wrong thing for us to do. But I think in that moment, it became a, well, we know disposable diapers are convenient. Let's just go down that road. Um, so I would say we didn't have the conversation and we probably ought to have had the conversation. Um, did you and, and your wife uh, talk about that difference?
1: Well, now I feel really bad because I feel like I just called you out for not having the conversation, which was not—it no, absolutely good, <laughs> not the point of the <laughs> you, <laughs> question. <laughs> you,
0: you should have called me out though. I mean, it's a good, it's an important topic uh, to, to talk about. And I'm glad we're talking about it today.
1: Um, so my wife and I did have a little bit of a conversation and much like, so I'll, I'll back up and say, much like you just said, we are imperfect. Um, We, you know, don't best of intentions, but maybe not always the best in execution. And I honestly don't know the answer. You had mentioned kind of the, I feel like the big pro that most people have to the uh, cloth diaper uh, is just the the ability to reuse them, of course, right? Um, And so, but then there's the yeah uh, compl- the uh, you mentioned the water usage to wash them and so how much more environmentally friendly are they are they um there's the economic factor right whereas if you're not buying you know a box of diapers every whatever week or that type of thing you know versus what's your water bill or your you know your detergent or whatever it is, you know, I'm sure cloth diapers on average are more expensive per diaper just to purchase them initially. So how, how does that work out? I I honestly don't know. Um, and I guess that's me kind of admitting my privilege a little bit in that I never had to consider that, I suppose, but our, but to get back to my wife and I, we, we, we bought both um, so that we could be at least prepared to have one or the other depending on which we felt worked best you know and as with most baby showers i'm sure you get some you know diapers and you know that type of thing and and different uh accoutrements as as they you know as if i can say so uh but so we did kind of start i think initially with the disposable because of the convenience of it specifically. And then also the frequency of which, you know, especially a newborn, um, you know, goes to the bathroom, you know, just being able to quickly do those, especially you mentioned kind of the, um, especially with sleep patterns, you know, you want to make the uh, diaper change as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, baby, as. Quick, you know, quick and not, mm. not offensive as possible, so that you could just do it real <laughs> quick and get them back to sleep, or you know, do it real quick and you know, whatever. Get on with what you were doing. More so from a, a more, more so from a baby too. standpoint, not a, uh, you know, not a convenience of, um, you know, getting back to whatever we were doing. But again, maybe getting right. your kid back to sleep or whatever it is, right, as opposed to the whole process of the cloth diaper. Um, and so I think we had both, and and we've kind of gone back and forth with periods of both. Um, so I know there's time that during, you know, we kind of settled into a habit for a good chunk of our daughter's life, um, where it was like kind of during the day, you know, so when it was just, Oh, you know, is your diaper wet yet? Yeah, we need to change that during the day that we would use cloth diapers, but for sleep time. So overnight and for naps, we would use disposables just cause they're a little mm-hmm. more absorbent. Um, and they are. Again, less offensive, if I can bring that term back, just because. Um, so that if she did happen to pee her, her diaper during a nap, there was a less likely chance she was going to wake up. Just because, you know, with the cloth diaper, just that little less absorbent, you know, or, you know, depending on the material. So we worried about it maybe being an issue or just the wet cloth against her skin, you know, that type of thing. Uh, whereas if she was awake already, you know, we, obviously there was no issue, so we could just change it. Um but that being said you know i don't think we really had a specific plan in terms of oh we're going to do this we kind of just figured it out as we went along right um now i i know one of the other big things that people talk about and chris i'm curious your thoughts now i realize you're all you're this is all kind of hypothetical for you but um you know uh, one of the other big things i did ask a lot of my colleagues and and uh, friends who have kids of their own kind of the difference um, you know, between, between them. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, which I don't know that I'd ever considered. And again, maybe I'm just proving how lucky I am that, uh, my daughter didn't experience this, but there were a lot more, there's a lot more diaper rash with the cloth diapers. Mm,
0: I was just going to ask. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's something, thankfully knock on wood. Um, I, I haven't had to experience in any major form. Um, but that's also something I hadn't considered. So then is it, you know, with the interest of being economic or environmentally friendly, which is, which are, are good reasons. Like I'm not certainly here to be like, you know, that type of thing, as we've mentioned prior, very pro environment. Um, and, but you know, it's one of those, okay, but is it going to be better? You know, let's say you're, child son or daughter whatever uh reacts very poorly to the cloth material you know that gets wet right. and and they're getting diaper rashes well okay yeah you know is dealing with that better than the concept of the reusable you know in, in in diaper in that in that kind of thing and that's something i guess i guess i just don't know i'm curious your thoughts on that
0: yeah that's a that's a really good question i mean it's a it's a Very valid philosophical one too. I mean, I would say knock on wood. um, We've been very lucky and fortunate that we haven't really dealt with too much diaper rash. Um, We've used this cream, I don't know, we got it as a recommendation from a mutual friend of ours called um, Penitent. Um, I understand it's like a German cream. It's just sort of this very heavy-duty, thick white cream that we use. And uh, we're very lucky, again, knock on wood, that we really haven't had any rashes at all. Really, uh, the big skin thing we have is is she scratches her face, you know, a lot, even though we try to keep her nails uh, trimmed. So we haven't had a lot of that with diapers. I think if it came down to that philosophical question of, Um, She was getting rashes with the cloth. Would I go to the disposable? I mean, I think it would be hypocritical of me to say that I would stick with the cloth, knowing that I'm using disposable now. I mean, I would like there to be another option, but I I know just honestly and realistically with myself, you and I work in a profession where there is so much waste in single use mm. plastics for tiny minimal minimal yep. changes in septic technique i mean really very tiny but that changes is all
1: that but that is all for the medical benefit of the patient and right? so
0: in this sense if your daughter is your patient uh, and you're making a change that might be for her medical benefit i mean i'm not saying i would make that change right away but if she was developing a rash every time would that not give you a little bit of impetus to say well, I'm going to go to the thing that isn't giving her irritation.
1: And, and I think that's kind of the, I feel like this is a microcosm of just a, a a concept and a thought process that probably plagues parents and has us all losing sleep, which is just your own personal um, thought process or mantra clashing with Mm. the actual benefit to your child. And so something that you believe, regardless of what that is, um, and uh, you know how does that? How does your personal belief system clash potentially with, you know, something like that? So, for example, if you are again, obviously, you and I are still pro environment, but maybe somebody who was gonna, no, I'm gonna stick to my guns and I'm not using disposable and and this and that, but their child is getting diaper rash every single time they put one on, right? Like that type of thing, as opposed to, um, you know, having to set aside your personal belief system or at least curbing it to some standpoint uh, in order to benefit, uh, you know, to benefit your child or even just then having to deal with the, I guess, guilt may be a little more forceful than I mean it. But, you know, using if if again, you know, using disposable diapers is you know, makes you feel guilty about, you know, the, the waste aspect of it, but it is what's best for your child. How do you reconcile that? And I don't sit here to ask you that question. I'm more to sit there to float that out into the nebulous kind of as a, as a general thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, we've gone deep into the realm of, of diapers deep down into, uh, you know, what, wh- you know, what, what people's thought processes are, uh, you know, when the shit hits the fan, Thank you for the pity laugh. Um, but we'll take a quick break here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. And when we come back, uh, Chris is going to close us out with another recurring segment. Um, as we mentioned, always contact us. We're very curious about your thoughts on all these types of things, things we can bring up on the show, um, things that we can uh, talk about. Um, and you know what? If, if there's something here that you think we're off base about, we'd love to know. Um, you know, like I said, we're just two dads trying to figure this, uh, figure this whole thing out. So we'd love to hear from you again. DadJokeLoadingPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, at Loading Dad on Twitter. Um, But like I mentioned, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, Chris is going to close this out. So we'll be right back on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast.
0: Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We're going to close things out with one of our recurring segments that you've heard before called From the Vaults. And this is where we take a look at uh, dads from history, Um, interesting dad and and child stories, whether dad and son, dad and daughter, just fathers throughout history and stories that caught our attention. So the one I'd like to share this week is about uh, a name that you might be familiar with, an Antarctic explorer named Robert Falcon Scott. Now, you might just know him as Robert Scott, but I learned that his middle
1: name is Falcon. That's so badass.
0: Yeah, Christian, what a what an incredible last name! Do you know anybody with a a middle name as cool as Falcon?
1: Um, not off the top of my head. No, the only one I can think of is Ronald Ulysses Swanson, but he's a character <laughs> on Parks and Rec. Um, so that's that's about as good as I got.
0: Yeah, that that's a pretty good one. Um, I actually don't know how we got the name uh, the middle name Falcon, uh, but it kind of got me thinking about middle names a little bit. How did you pick? The middle name for your daughter? And was it ever a question or debate? Was it something, a name that you just liked, or did it have some kind of family significance?
1: Uh, we we kept with tradition um, of all of the females in my wife's side of the family having the same middle name, um, which is actually the same as my mom. So it actually kind of worked out uh, kind of nicely, although spelled differently, and she will uh, um, kill me <laughs> if I don't point that out. Uh, but um, so it was we we went the family route in terms of the kind of keeping with the lineage, um, which is the same for my middle name as well. My middle name is my dad's middle name, which is the family, the family middle name for for the boys in the family. So
0: Oh, cool! I did know that. That's uh, that's pretty similar to what we've done as well. It's all it's all somebody in the family, whether it's a parent or a grandparent or something like. I feel that. like
1: the middle name is typically where you pay homage to a grandparent or uh, yeah, a, a name of past. So does that mean he is, yeah. his grandfather was named Falcon?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I, I mean, yeah, or he his grandfather was a. That's falcon. literally.
1: I was just like, or oh, maybe he was a Falcon. That's exactly. I'm glad got <laughs> yeah, in my brain.
0: So Robert Falcon Scott was an Antarctic explorer. He's the second person to the South Pole after Roald Amundsen. But unfortunately, on his second expedition, the one where he reached the South Pole, he unfortunately passed away on the way home from that. Um, so his son, uh, he had had a son with, uh, with his wife at that point. Um, interestingly, his middle name was Markham, but that was named after uh, one of his godparents, Sir Clements Markham. The other godparent... Of Robert Scott's son was J. M. Barrie, the creator of Peter Pan. What? Yeah, what a small world, isn't yeah. that crazy? So Robert Scott is is a pretty cool guy. I mean, I, I have to share what he wrote. Was that a, a was letter- that a South
1: Pole joke? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So Robert Scott, on his way home, he wrote a letter to the English people as he was sitting there in Antarctica, freezing to death, without a Tim Hortons coffee in his hand. Mm. He said, we took risks. We knew we took them. Things have come out against us, and therefore we have no cause for complaint, but we bow to the will of Providence, determined still to do our best to the last. Had we lived, I should have had a tale to tell of the hardihood, endurance, and courage of my companions, which would have stirred the hearts of every. Englishman. These rough notes in our dead bodies must tell the tale, but surely, surely a great rich country like ours will see that those who are dependent on us are properly provided for. Are you Are you kidding me? Those were his last words that he shared. I mean, I I hope to do something just nearly as good as that. I don't know but that I've ever
1: they... said anything that profound in <laughs> yeah. my life.
0: In life, yeah. like Let
1: alone freezing to death, literally freezing yeah. to death. Like, I don't think I could have like looked at, like written something and then compared it on th- you know thesaurus.com to make the words fancier. Like I don't think I could I would have,
0: have written I would have written something along the lines of what I stuck to your uh, to your bedroom wall that night I dislocated my shoulder. Yeah for seriously listeners. <laughs> it's just shaky, basically saying, I can't write any or if I
1: was phrasing that's probably just a lot of curse words. <laughs> yeah.
0: And what are your final words to the people of England? Fuck. Um so one of the other things that he shared was, make the boy interested in natural history if you can. It is better than games. And that's what he shared with his wife, hoping that his son, who was quite young at that time, would be interested in natural history. And he, as a father, was such a good role model that these are some of the things that his son accomplished in his life. So uh, he was an athlete and a painter. But let's start off, just, just to start with, one of the first things he did was win a bronze medal at the Olympics. No biggie. Yeah, not not a big deal. In sailing, so you know, again, a kind of a natural outdoors thing. As part of that sailing team, he designed a modified wearable harness that has now been named and used every day in sailing, called the trapeze, invented by him and his crew. No then biggie. He decided to join the military in World War II after winning an olympic gold medal and designed some of the ship camouflage you know those crazy uh, paint jobs that you see on naval ships mm-hmm. where it's like zigzags and stuff like that so they can't be seen over the horizon uh he was one of the inventors of that um and designed it for that's the bananas ones. i know i know so then the war ended and he thought you know i haven't done enough to help natural history so he joined ornithology groups and um, pioneered the program that saved the Hawaiian goose from extinction in the 1950s. You trying to make me feel bad? I know, I know. Makes all of us feel bad. So then he thought, you know, okay, I'll do a few TV shows on BBC. I'll try to become, you know, a, a leader of the ornithology group. I'll do my bird stuff for a while. And then he thought, why don't I fly like the birds? And took up gliding for fun. And seven years later became the champion of the United Kingdom in gliding and became chairman of the British Gliding Association. Okay. And then just to top it all off, um, after that, he became involved in the Loch Ness uh, controversy. And this is one of my favorite facts because it shows that he could kind of mess around a little bit. So he proposed the scientific name of what could potentially be the Loch Ness monster. Like genus and species? Exactly. Exactly. As Nesoteris rhombopteryx. Only for everyone to find out that it was really just an anagram and that if you mixed everything up, it said Monster Hoax by Sir Peter S. Or, yes, both picks are monsters are. I know. Isn't that incredible? And then to top it all off, his lasting legacy that I think all of us might know him from is, you know, the WWF. No, not the wrestling. Oh, okay. The, uh, the great, the giant panda wrestler, uh, sorry, giant panda. Um, that is the logo of the world wildlife federation. He drew that logo. Really? Yeah. That's him. That is the son of Antarctic explorer, Robert Falcon Scott.
1: Although I will say giant panda does sound like it could be a world wrestling federation guy, like big sumo (laughs) kind of guy. Like I feel like that could be, but anyway, so you're telling me he did that, uh, Champion glider, head of the UK in gliding association, bronze medalist, war veteran, yep. um, created camouflage for ships. Yep. Like any one of those, I think I missed one.
0: Yeah. Saved a species.
1: That oh, there was, saved the this. One. Oh my yeah. gosh. How did yeah, I just forget? Just that? So, but BT any, dub. any one of those things makes you famous. I know like internationally, like as you're known as the person who did this, like not that I'm saying he just saved the Hawaiian bird, but like if you were known (laughs) as part of the group that saved a species from extinction, like you are, you are immortalized in your, your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like your discipline. He's, but he's immortalized in like six disciplines.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And this was all from a father who said these rough notes and our dead bodies must tell the tale. And the tale was, Make the boy interested in natural history. Well, job done, job done. And I think that'll close it out for this. I'm week's gonna have episode. to. Start, yeah,
1: I got to go start writing some profound shit. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, We'll uh, we'll try to be poets by next week's episode, which we hope you tune in on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris. This has been Christian. We've enjoyed talking to you again this week. We'll be back next week. Um, please uh, please uh, hit hit up some of the people that have supported us. Michael Spicer music. Uh, Vishal Murthy the vet cartoonist thank you very much to producer Ryan and thank you as always to our beautiful wives and our wonderful daughters absolutely we love you hit us up at dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com and we hope to see you next week thank you very much for listening take care